There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who see a title like internal workflow optimization and automation and go, ooh, sexy. I want to hear all about that. And those who don't. I'll give you three guesses, which I am, and you might have noticed that the episode of this title is not internal workflow optimization automation, because I have a sneaking suspicion that there are more people out there who find the miserable, niggling details of process optimization a little more mind-numbing than those who like it better than chocolate. But rest assured, in my heart, this episode is called Internal Workflow Optimization and Automation. But it is also very true that optimizing and automating your workflows is going to bring order to chaos, make your life easier, and in the event of shit hitting the fan, make sure your podcast can keep running smoothly. And that's what we're talking about today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. All right, so let's talk about internal workflow automation. As the name suggests, there are two main parts to it, the workflow and the automation. They work together. In order to automate, you need the best possible workflow. And as always, we start with what we have, what's currently going on in our businesses, in our content marketing, with the processes that we've got at the moment. So there are a set of kind of standard steps that are going to happen in most podcast production, and they're going to vary a little bit from company to company. But the general order of work you can assume is going to happen is if you've got guests, you're going to book them, record the interview, get the audio edited or produced, create the show notes and other assets, schedule and release the episode, promote it, and then repurpose the episode. Now, there can be additional steps or fewer steps in this process. Maybe others like content planning, a pre-call with a guest, writing a script, doing your research and prep. And there can be a whole bunch of different people involved. It could be all in-house. It could be all one person. It could be a collection of different freelancers or a third-party service provider that does a lot of it. So when you're writing your own list, and that is what you should do now, if you know you're at a table, you've got pen and paper, you can write it down. Think about the steps in your own podcasting process. And if you've got more than what I listed, add them. If you've got fewer, don't add them. But basically what we do is we start by identifying the different buckets of tasks for each part of the podcast process. Now, these buckets can contain different numbers of subtasks or individual items that need to be accomplished. But the most important thing about a bucket for our purposes is that one person carries it. So each high-level category of podcast activity, like those above, you know, promoting the episode or recording the interview or creating the show notes and assets, each has one person who's in charge of it. You want to know who that person is. So let's, for example, look into a bucket. We'll say editing and producing the audio. For example, this could involve the different tasks in the bucket could be the host uploading the raw audio to your file storage system, an assistant sending a link to your producer, the producer uploading finished audio to the storage system, and letting the assistant know it's ready, then letting the host know that the show is ready for review and quality control. Ultimately, the person carrying that bucket, the person in charge of it, is maybe the assistant making sure that the high-level task, edit and produce the episode, is getting done on time. Now, your process, your buckets, your steps in the workflow could look totally different. Another set of tasks in that same edit and produce the audio bucket could be the host listening back to the episode for key points and noting the edits they want, then submitting the audio notes to a third-party producer and waiting to be notified that the episode is scheduled in the host or uploaded to the file sharing system. Because it can vary so much from company to company, and it can vary based on the size of the company or the priorities you have about podcasting, or any other variable you can think of, it's important to write down what you're currently doing, who's involved, and who is doing what. 
you want to be thinking in pretty excruciating detail throughout this process. And trust me, doing so, really getting down every detail that you can about your process and what happens and who does it and the order things are done in is absolutely worth it. You can probably start to see why getting things down on paper or in a project management system is a good idea. Depending on the complexity of your show and the number of humans you have working on it, things can get a little unwieldy and it's really easy to make mistakes, especially if you've got a process that has grown and changed and developed over time. We're going to be talking about documentation in a few minutes, but as we work, as things are busy, often we just get into habits of doing things. And when everyone working on them just does their job, it's really hard to think about the fact, oh, if something goes wrong here, if someone is not around, are we going to know how to complete this process? And it's also hard to think about, is this process currently being done in the best way? Is everyone being able to kind of use the skills that they're best at to be the most efficient and the most effective at what they're doing? Processes like this can get really unwieldy. So it's great practice to every once in a while, maybe every year, sit down and really evaluate your workflow, the steps in it, and who's involved, and is this doing the job you want it to? So when it's all clearly laid out, you can do exactly that. You can really see where you can add efficiencies and automation to make everyone's life a little bit easier. And it's also going to save you a whole bunch of time when you're writing your standard operating procedures if you haven't already. Half the job is going to be done already when you've got a really clear written explanation of your workflow and the people involved. So there are a few places we found over years and years of producing podcast episodes that are almost always filled with low-hanging fruit for improving a podcast workflow. Those tend to be anytime things change hands from one person to another, tasks that are similar each time they're done, and buckets of tasks that can be delegated to other people entirely. So we have some specific ways that we like to do that, and I'm going to share them with you today. But you'll get the most out of it by first making sure that you have the process that you're currently using exactly as it exists in your reality written out, really, really written out, extremely and profoundly and staggeringly written out in great detail. If a human or a machine does anything for your podcast at any point, it should be in your starting document, in order, preferably, and no detail is too tiny, because we're going to be using them again when we get into documentation and standard operating procedures. Now, because of the magic of asynchronous audio, you can pause this and do that now if you like, or come back and listen to the rest of this audio again later when you've got a chance, or just listen to the whole thing again because you like the sound of my voice and want to follow these instructions to the letter. I'm sure that's definitely the case. So, so here are the methods that we've developed over several thousand podcast episodes to make weekly or bi-weekly production run smoothly within a team. Now, this is, can change and it can vary and it can be altered to match your particular needs and the tools and software that you're using. But high level, what's going to be involved is an episode guide, a project management system, templates, standard operating procedures, and Zapier or an equivalent automating tool. So let's go through how to use each of these. First, your episode guide. This is an episode guide for your podcast, and you can consider it or think of it as the single source of truth as related to your podcast. It is the central brain where every answer to every podcast-related question should live. Now, I strongly recommend Google Sheets for this because it can be easily integrated with multiple other systems really, really quickly. You'll want to have different sheets in your episode guide to track different kinds of information. A database system like Notion or Airtable could work in very much the same way, and if that's your preference, go for it. But if you don't currently have a preference or if you're not currently using a database kind of foundational software, go with Google Sheets or another kind of spreadsheet tool because it's easy to get the information quickly. Now, what are you going to want to have in your episode guide? There's some different sheets or different pages within your spreadsheet 
that you'll want to have. And the first is general show information and links. This is just your basic info, your show name, your tagline, links to your pages on the different podcatchers like Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts, a link to your music assets, including the license, the company that is your podcast host, how to log in, and who you should contact in what kind of podcast-related emergency. If you've got a third-party provider, if you work with different freelancers, you should have all of that kind of on your general show information and links page. And if you have any hard or standing deadlines that you need to complete week to week, those should be noted as well. So if you always release on Tuesdays and you always record on Thursdays, that's the kind of thing that you want to have in your general show information and links. Now, the reason you want all of this here is because once you make these decisions and you have this information existing, it should be really easy to find and people should know where to find it if they've got a question about the podcast. You don't want to be asked that kind of question and you don't want to have to ask that kind of question of anyone else. It should be in the single source of truth. So on another page within your episode guide, you'll want to have your episodes. And those are for, they can be past episodes that you've already recorded, future episodes that you're planning, basically just every episode. And the information you should have about each episode is the title, the guest name, guest socials or links if you've got them, the release date, the embed code, any blog URL or short link that you're using, and any other information that you want to have for the future about each episode. If you've got baked in ads or calls to action, those should be listed. If you want to note the type of show it is, it's an interview, it's a solo, it's an instructional, it's a Q&A, that can be really helpful. If you want to add the high-level topic category, maybe you're talking about widgets this week or what's it's, and you want to keep track of how often you're talking about each one, having like a category like that can be really useful. Any SEO keyword tracking that you're doing, if you know what the keyword for that episode is going to be, that can be there. Basically, you want to be thinking about what in the future might someone seek to know about an episode that has happened in the past? And how can I make sure that information is easily to hand for them? So a little detail with this, four episodes, just as a matter of convention, we like to have the most recent episodes at the top of the page and the earliest ones at the bottom. So it's really easy to find the one that you're looking for in chronological or reverse chronological order. But that's totally up to you and what you like kind of within your own company and, and whether or not reverse chronological order is something you like or that bothers you. Now, moving on, another page that's really valuable to have in your episode guide is your stats. And that's going to include everything that you want to track on a regular basis. Maybe your monthly downloads, episode downloads by month, your 30-day trailing, traffic to specific web pages, conversions and different funnels that you have associated with your podcast. Anything that you've decided is important to track for your podcast and make sure to listen to our episode metrics that matter for company podcasts if you feel like you could be getting a little more value out of your show or you're not sure how to be tracking what you want to be tracking or what you can be tracking for your podcast. So these are the absolute basics that I would expect to see in any episode guide, but you can add whatever else you want and is useful to you. Some people like to use the episode guide space for planning future episodes, for tracking guest invitations and follow up and even the different promotional activities that they're using to drive traffic to the show and how well they're performing. Depending on what you want to add, you may find that a database is a better tool for you for storing that kind of information. And if you want to keep it simple, then a spreadsheet is probably the way to go. The only thing you need to be absolutely sure of with your episode guide is that it contains all of the information people might want about your podcast episodes in the future in one place and that everyone knows where to find it and how to use it. So why is it so important for your internal podcast workflow? There's a couple of reasons. And the first, as I mentioned, is because at no point ever should anyone have to ask, 
where's the link to last week's episode? That shouldn't happen. It shouldn't have to happen. It should be in the episode guide and everyone should know where the episode guide is. And the other reason is that it's really easy to automate and optimize different processes when you've got kind of a single source of truth document that you know is always going to have the most correct, most accurate, and most up-to-date information. If you're going to be creating automations and assigning tasks and delegating and creating standard operating procedures based around something, it should be something that is thorough, complete, and true. And that's what the episode guide should be for your show. Okay, so now let's talk about your project management system. This is technically completely optional, and if your team is already comfortable with something like Monday Teamwork Notion or Asana or one of the equivalents, there's no reason not to just have your podcast plugged into it. You don't need to use something hyper-specific for a podcast if you've already got systems that work and that your team knows how to use. But if you're not using anything at all right now, if you've got a third-party service provider who's doing the majority of the production, you can probably rely on their project management system to handle things. And if you're not, you can use a purpose-built system like Alex Sanfilippo's podcast SOP software. If you haven't heard last week's episode to it, go check it out. There's some really great stuff in there. And podcast SOP is a really great purpose-built standard operating procedure software for podcast episodes. If you don't have a system already in place, that can be a really, really good one to use. We'll be right back in just a moment. And now back to the show. The key thing is to make sure that all of the steps in your workflow are represented in your project management system, whatever it is. And the most important is, like we were talking about at the top, who's in charge of what step, who is carrying the bucket. This is especially true when you're working with a third-party service provider who almost certainly has their own system or way of organizing things on their end. You want to be fully aware of when your systems are going to bump up against each other and who's in charge of making sure the necessary communication and exchange is actually happening. So here at One Stone Creative, we started using Notion recently on the advice of organizational mastermind Jenny Blake, and she's got some amazing content about how to use it on her free time podcast. I'll link to a few episodes in the show notes if you want to check it out. If you are currently in the market for a highly customizable and rather addictive project management software, Notion is really, really good. It's got a steep learning curve, but it's so flexible and customizable if you're one of those people who's a little like I am, where you need to have your project management system match your brain and you can't necessarily fit into someone else's, Notion is probably the way to go. Now, in a perfect world, your project management system, whatever it is, is going to integrate neatly with everything else that you use, like your email, your social media accounts, your podcast hosts, your communication channels, Slack and everything. And if it doesn't integrate natively, that's a situation you're probably going to run into. And that's why you have Zapier and other equivalent tools which we'll be talking about in a few minutes. But first, I want to quickly touch on templates. Because as you're putting together your software and your plans and your automations, you kind of want to know where you're already going to be saving time and where documents are going to need to have that similarity and that consistency from week to week. And templates are what are going to do that for you. They are your best friend. So they're ready to customize versions of the different assets that you need to create for each episode. And you, know, you can even get bigger and greater than that. You can have templates for episode scripts, invitations to be a guest, guest swipes or sharing materials, emails that you send to your list about your show, blog posts that you create to go along with your episodes, the graphics and sharing materials that you make, like audiograms. Anything that you make more than once should have a template that can be altered to suit each and every episode. So for graphics and videos, you can create shell versions of those. And you can actually do that for podcast episodes as well in your DAW or your digital audio workspace. 
you can create shell versions that have all the settings and the levels of mixing that you like to have all presets that all you have to do is add new audio and kind of the basics are taken care of it's really really cool so that works for graphics for video for audio create a shell that can be copied and duplicated every time you want to make a new version of them and many designers like if you don't have design support in-house you can hire a designer to create a set of graphic templates for you in programs like canva or photoshop whatever it is that you use and you can then modify them yourself or assign them to a team member to handle without having to learn how to design from the ground up. So that's a nice service to consider looking into if that would be helpful for you. Because having good graphics is pretty important for looking, you know, like you've got your stuff going on as a podcaster. They're optional, of course. You don't need to have graphics to promote, but it is helpful. Algorithms tend to like graphics a little bit. And if you have guests, it's nice to send them nice graphics. It feels good to work with someone or to have given of your time as a guest to someone who put a little effort into making you look good with what they're promoting it with. So that's just my little thought on graphics there. Now, for text-based templates, it's good practice to have a file or folder with all of your templates in one place so that you know where to find whatever it is you need to create. And that could be in your project management system too, wherever you like to have them. And then you just make a copy, rename it, and start editing. Easy peasy, saves a lot of time, never have to write things from scratch, and people can easily jump in and help each other out with this kind of thing. So one template we have that we find really, really useful is the new client podcast folder. And it contains a blank episode guide and empty folders all pre-named and ready to go with all of the types of folder and file and information that we need to share with our new clients as we start working with them. So when we start working with a new client, all we have to do is duplicate that blank new podcast folder, rename it to reflect the new show and kind of send it to them, get them access. It's already got all of the basics that are going to be the same from every single show, like a blank episode guide that we can start filling in like different information on how to interview and prep for an interview or set automations that we give to everybody. It really can save a lot of time not having to manually build that folder from scratch every single time we start working with a new client. So if you're not currently using templates, make a list of everything that you do make for each episode and see if you've got a template for it. And if not, add it to your list, make a blank version or an editable version of whatever it is you create every time. And then you can start copying and duplicating it and refining it as you go along. All right, moving along, let's talk about standard operating procedures for your podcast. SOPs or standard operating procedures are to-do lists with instructions for what needs to happen and when. So if a person has to do a thing, in a perfect world, you should have a standard operating procedure for it. So that if that human who's responsible for it ever goes away or wants to do something completely bananas like take a vacation once in a while, any other human can jump in and complete the task with a really high degree of accuracy just by following the instructions. So SOPs should include the steps to take in order, screenshots of any software or technology that's used, and you can have videos of that if you prefer, credentials and login information or where to find and how to access credentials and login information for any systems that need to be logged into, videos of the more complex actions, maybe created with Loom or an equivalent software, information about how you want files to be named, stored, and saved. This one's really important. I'm really big on proper nomenclature. So if you want to have date first, then guest name, then episode title, or if you want to have episode number, guest name, type of graphic, you want to clarify how you want things to be labeled. And then once they're labeled, what happens to them next? Where do they get stored? Where do they get saved? That's kind of, of all the things in the standard operating procedure to be really clear about, what you call files and assets and what happens to them are really high on the list of priorities. You also want to have instructions for what and who needs to be updated at all stages. After something is done, does the episode guide need to be updated? Does a message to the next person have to be sent? Does the guest need to be informed? Does the host need to be informed? That should be listed really, really clearly. 
and then a clear description or demonstration or example of what finished perfectly looks like. So that might be a, in podcast world, a link to an episode that has been released and has perfect show notes on the blog post and in the podcast host, just that someone has something to compare their own work against as they're going forward. So as you're writing this out, and now that you I hope you're seeing how all of that work you did writing out all of the different little steps in your workflow is going to come in useful because now you can just modify and massage them into great standard operating procedures by adding those extra helpful details. But the first version of it that you create is going to be wildly insufficient. <laughs> At least mine are every time I create them. I think, oh, yes, I've got everything here in ex explicit, fantastic detail. And then I give it to someone and they're just like, I don't know how to do eight of these things. It's like, well, that's great. We can edit them now. So write your SOPs to the best of your ability, give them to a team member to try and ask them to try and break it. Ask them to see where they could potentially run into errors. They're probably going to find something and then you can improve it. And eventually you're going to have a living, breathing answer to pretty much every question or process in your business that you can point people at or ideally people can find themselves and you can just get on with creating your content. It's a really big task and one that I've noticed often gets backburnered, especially if someone on your team is really hardworking and reliable. It's really easy to just do it later, but later becomes never. And then if something does happen, you're going to find yourself in the unpleasant situation of not knowing how to do what your colleagues or team members do or them not knowing what you do and scrambling to keep the train on the rails. Take it process by process. And as you create with the procedures, test them, give them to team members that aren't involved in the process. Try them yourself. If you usually have other people doing the work, a little redundancy in your key marketing operations can go a long way to making sure that you're consistent and consistency is the most important thing in podcasting. Now, all of this is going to be pretty moot if you are outsourcing your podcasting production to a third party software, but one of the things a third party should be able to provide to you is a copy of the SOPs as they relate to your podcast. It might be part of the service that they're offering. And if it isn't, you want to know if an emergency happens with your third party service provider, what do you do? You want to be able to keep releasing. And so you want to make sure that you have enough information about the processes that are being followed by another team to be able to step in yourself should the need arise. So if you don't have that from your third party service provider now, ask for it and see if you can get it. Now, before we wrap up, let's talk about Zapier and kind of other automation tools. If you're not familiar with it already, Zapier is a little internet robot that makes different software talk to each other. It's slightly fiddly, but really, really cool. So once you have all your steps written down and your episode guide is sorted, you can start to look for ways to automate some of the things that people currently have to spend their time and brain power on. Depending on your tech and setup, the possibilities are going to be really different from show to show and the opportunities might be different. There may be things you like to have on a person's desk rather than on a robot's. But some examples that you might want to test or play around with are when raw audio is uploaded to a certain folder, an email is sent to the next person in the chain, or when a blog post is published, a tweet is automatically sent about the episode, or when a new calendar booking is made, there's a new entry in the episode guide created. So Zapier or equivalent tools, and, and there's a bunch of platforms that are doing this now, and all of the possibilities can make you a little almost inebriated on tech-based excitement. I mean, not that I'm talking from experience or anything, but the best way to decide what to automate is to first create that workflow list of absolutely everything, and then open up whatever automating tool you're using and type in the softwares or systems or actions that are right next to each other in the list. So for example, if one of my workflow steps is upload raw audio to Google Drive, and the next one is send a Slack message to the editor, I can search Zapier for Google Drive and Slack and see if Zapier has a function I can use to just automate that step entirely so that when I 
upload raw audio to Google Drive, the Slack message is automatically sent. So there are, as I mentioned, lots of automation tools out there. And if there's one that you really like, go for it. Just use what works for you. And I'd love to hear about what you're using, by the way. Find us on Twitter at O-N-E-S-T-O-N-E-C or at One Stone C. So these automation tools are not strictly necessary by any means, but just like the product management system, they can be really, really helpful, especially when you are a small team. And if automation kind of as a process is new to you, or if it's not something that you've done a lot, or the tech involved feels a little bit intimidating, it can be a bit of a learning curve. There's a book I really like on the topic of automation and how to kind of think about it, just the method of thinking about things that goes into automating. It's called Less Doing, More Living by Ari Maisel. And if you are new to the practice, it's really, really well worth a read and can give you some great ideas for things to automate in your own life as well as around your podcast. So to quickly recap, we've talked about why you would want to optimize and then automate your podcast workflow so that you're getting the most work done with the least effort and setting yourself up for smooth operations when unexpected events or vacations inevitably occur. You do this by first identifying what your workflow is, creating a single point of truth about your podcast called an episode guide, then saving time with templates, creating clarity with project management systems. And finally, we talked about adding safety and redundancy with standard operating procedures and automating steps in the process with Zapier. Some or all of this may be really useful for you and your podcast where you are right now. Take what works or take what you need and leave what doesn't. As always, you are the boss of your podcast and everything that goes into it. So make sure that whatever system you are using, it's one that you're comfortable with. And more important even than that, whatever system that you're using is one that everyone is willing to use and isn't just sitting there in its perfect automated glory and never touched by anyone because it's too complex or unintuitive. Working with what you've got and where you are when it comes to your podcast is the most important thing because as a podcaster, getting that content out on a regular basis, really consistently on your release schedule, either weekly or biweekly or more, is the most important thing that you can do to build traction and see the different kinds of value that you're trying to get out of your show in the first place. All of this automation, all this internal workflow work is really just about helping you get the value out of your podcast that you need. So as your action step for this episode, if you haven't created any podcast standard operating procedures yet, the time has come to invest an hour or two into clarifying your workflow. So start by listing the big high-level steps in the process, your buckets of tasks like book guest, record interview, audio editing, sharing assets, scheduling, promoting, whatever you use in your own business. Then for each of those high-level buckets, write down every step that's involved. Look for opportunities to condense, delegate, outsource, or automate that list of tasks. And once you've done that, codify the specific, minute, absolute everything details into your standard operating procedures. And if you are in the situation where your podcast is largely you talking and then letting someone else delegate and do the rest, make sure that you've got your backup plan in place. If something happens with your third-party service provider for your podcast, if something happens on their end, how can you and your team jump in and make sure that you continue releasing on time? You know, it's probably not going to happen. Your, your service provider should have a plan in place <laughs> for when things go wrong. But ultimately, it's your podcast and you should understand the steps in the process and what goes where and how to access everything so that you can take back control if you need to. Now for the question of the week, straight from the hello at onestonecreative.net inbox. How much time is an interview podcast going to take me every week? 
The most honest answer to that is, it depends. But I have some rules of thumb for you. On preparing and getting ready for interviews that you're conducting, if you've got a really fat Rolodex of people that you know reasonably well who would make great guests on your podcast, then booking calls and preparing for them can be really fast. You're already going to have the basic info and familiarity and knowledge about them and what they're doing to just kind of jump right in. If you're going to be talking to people that you only sort of know, maybe people that you want to nurture in the relationship and get to know a little better, the prep might take a quarter or a half of the time you're going to spend recording. And if you're stepping outside of your own network and bringing in totally new humans that you want to kind of get to know from the ground up, it's going to need a lot more research and prep to be a good call, probably equal to or slightly exceeding the amount of time you're going to spend recording. So maybe, you know, half hour of prep for a half hour recording just as a rule of thumb for as you're making your plans and planning your weekly calendar. So for recording, your time is going to be, the time you want to book for a recording session is at least 15 minutes longer than the time you actually spend interviewing or talking. So if you aim for a 30-minute episode, make sure you leave at least 10 to 15, maybe a little more minutes at one end or the other for chatting, for tech issues, for little things that come up, or if it's an amazing conversation and you want to continue it, you don't want to have to rush off the call. So make sure to leave a buffer on either side if you can. The next big investment of time is post-production. If you outsource it, your time investment is an email that says, hey, audio is ready. And you can even delegate that to a team member if you want to. But if you are doing it yourself or having it done in-house, then a reasonable standard you can expect for editing is about five hours of post-production for every hour of content. But please keep in mind that can vary absolutely hugely from editor to editor, from person to person, and from process to process. So your mileage on that may vary. And the best way to figure it out is going to be to do a couple of sample episodes and assume that you're going to be getting faster and improving over time as you do it. Now for promotion, the rule of thumb I like to advise is for every hour of planning and recording, spend an hour promoting. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. I'm your host, Megan Doherty, and the show is put together by the entire team at One Stone Creative. If you've got a podcast and you're looking for third-party support in promoting it, or if you're just thinking about a podcast you might like to be running soon, I'd love to talk. And you can get in touch with me by filling in any contact form on onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net. Till next time.